notes. He said, my hunt, I'm never fucking coming back. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> All right, we're back. Uh, guide week is in the book. We're going to go around the table and uh, introduce ourselves. we got a couple new guests, um, a couple that are back. Go ahead. I'm Morgan. She is the marrow that holds us together. And then Mike the gargoyle. <laughs> the herd bull. Uh, Mike Davis, back from West Virginia. Grew up with Josh hound hunting and come out last year. Had an epic experience. We're back again. I'm Jimmy Reel. Hunted with Josh last year. And we're back. And then we have... Oh, I'm Devin. I'm back. Del Mar is in the house. Oh, yeah. Jay is back in house. He just rolled in. We snagged him up. He's still chilly from the outside. What's up, bud? How's it going? Good, man. Yeah. So how was uh, hunting for yourself this week? Oh, uh, it, was, it was slow, honestly. I, I went to Maine. Um, just going to do a little bear hunt, and all the bears stopped hitting the baits. And I just hung out with my wife, so that was nice. Haven't yeah. seen her in a while. You rolled out of here. I didn't even get to really say goodbye to you. I know. I, I rolled out hot. I, I went hunting with my father-in-law pretty much right away. Yep. Um, how was that it was good we got into elk deer um had a few opportunities couldn't couldn't capitalize we had a really nice mule deer bucket like 26 yards just no shot really uh, yeah like a like a decent buck like 140s honestly yeah, nice nice four point yeah nah. um so other than that i mean killed a pile of grouse and had a really good time so i mean it was fun heck um, yeah yeah heck yeah how'd the deer hunting go back in maine um, How many did you see? None. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that place will demoralize you as a deer hunter. Yeah, it makes you feel stupid, that's for sure. Um, I'll, I'll probably get another chance at it sometime this year. Maybe their muzzleloader season. Um, get some snow on the ground. Do some tracking. Yeah, that's yeah. how I like to hunt. I, I feel like that's almost how you have to do it. There's no destination food there. There's, you know, the, the deer act nomadic in a way where they come through, they'll make a scrape, and then never come back to it. They just disappear and go somewhere else. Tons and tons of ground. Yeah. When we're talking about uh, with tracking them, so you can, you can get up early in the mornings and kind of do like you do lion hunting. You yeah. can go and just check roads looking for that big, wide buck track and hit that track at daylight and just pound it. Pound it till you, you feel like you got them bedded, get your wind right, sneak in on them. Logan killed him six point. Nice bull. A couple of the guides that would be on the podcast right now are actually they're packing that bull out. Uh, so Alex was over in eastern Montana. He's hunting. He killed him a speed goat and his father. <laughs> he, he killed his speed goat and his father killed a speed goat. <laughs> yeah, he didn't kill his father. They're over there hunting together with family memories and they're not you know, shooting at each other. <laughs> So they were successful. The whole family was, and Aiden was taking care of predator control. He got himself a really nice bear for the first time. Yep. Oh, possum. Got him a bear. They were sighting guns in, running through a daggum bear, checking the target, started huffing and puffing at him. They were able to harvest the bear and killed him. Shot him right in the dome. (laughs) Everybody gives Aiden a hard time. Got an old soul for a young person. Oh, yeah. getting more mature. It's cool being around him for so many years now. And yeah, this is our second year being around him. So Third. Oh, third. So he started coming around when he was 13, 14 years old, and now he's Coming 17. a young man. Yeah. So Morgan, Devin, and I are all sitting around. We're drinking coffee, talking, and all of a sudden Morgan's phone rings because he knows that she'll answer the phone. <laughs> I killed a bear. 
You believe this? I killed a bear. <laughs> then my phone rings. What's going on, Aiden? I killed a bear. Did you hear? I was like, no, man, didn't know you killed a bear. Devin, good-hearted person he is, his phone rings right after my I get off the phone. He does the whole surprise everything. Walker, Alex, he's called everyone in the crew. He says, it's not a big one. It's just about 100 pounds, but I'm bringing it over. He pulls in the driveway, smiling ear to ear. I could see his smile from the road. Strapped on a flatbed, propped up. Beautiful bear. I go out expecting to see something the size of a dog. And it's actually a nice-sized bear. Got to be at least a 200-pound bear. You're crazy. That, that is a nice-sized bear for your first one. Well, I so packed then, it out myself. I just don't know my strength. <laughs> <laughs> Come out with this Bowie knife. I got a new Montana knife, the Blackfoot. It was sweet. So he pulls in. I'm like, awesome. I get to try this new knife out on a bear. So we get back there, and we skin the bear out, and I don't want to use this new knife on any knuckles or joints. <laughs> so I'm like, don't. I was like, man, you got a knife? I was like, you probably want to cut your first bear with your knife. You know what I mean? Meanwhile, I'm just wanting to dig his knife into the joints of this. <laughs> so don't tear mine up. He's like, yeah, yeah, I got a knife. I was like, well, go get that puppy. He comes walking back over. <laughs> the daggum sword. <laughs> I was like, Aiden, I'm not used to working tools that big, bro. I was like... <laughs> so ended up we used the pocket knife but yeah dev and i everybody knew from the last podcast that dev and i were hunting together for the guide week and we got lucky rolled into a, a little area bulls like to gather up and do a little rutting did a soft calling setup bull bugle come running in killed him that's the end of the story um, no <laughs> no he says no no we was in a bear bed yeah. He was in the bear. We were standing in a bear bed. Yeah, we were staying. We were just looking at this bear bed where this bear took a massive crap. And we were like discussing how big a bear we thought this thing was. All of a sudden, a bull bugle screams down over the bank. Close. Close. I bugled back at him. He bugled right back. We give him just a second. And all of a sudden, he bugled, what, 275, 300. Was, was yeah. even closer than that. It was right oh, yeah. back on top of us. It was coming, like on a string. I was doing most of the calling, and that was my first bull with a bow and arrow. It was different being the caller and the shooter because I'm usually trying to pull those bulls through the shooter, but now you're trying to do it all. It's it's goofy feeling. So I used Devin to break brush and stuff in behind me. Hell, he didn't even get 40 yards from me, and... The bull was on top of oh, us. Oh, yeah, he was on top of us in no time. By the time I got 40 yards behind Josh, I turned around, that bull was standing right in front of Josh, and he done got his bow, drew back on him. When the bull come up, he stopped right behind a big tree, and I drew my bow back, and I'm holding and holding and holding, and I'm. it felt like forever, probably a minute, over a minute, two minutes probably. And I got that target panic feeling, like when you hold your bow back that long, like, I could have shot the bull quarter into me and snuck it in there to the boiler maker, and I had thought about it a couple times. And then I played the scenario, if he keeps walking, I'm going to have to hold my bow for maybe 30, 40 seconds longer till he crosses into a clear lane. So I eased the bow back down, luckily without the bull spook, and he couldn't see me. And uh, he turned and went away from us, like at an angle to get up around the brush. And as he was walking, I started stomping my feet and kicked brush down over the bank and I watched his one ear perk right to us and this is all happening at like 20 under 20 yards the bull kind of veers off to our right to get around a blow down and then comes directly towards me turns quarter in broadside I cow called one time and I'd already drew my bow back again 
and ease the pins down on the crease of the shoulder. And, and uh, the bull, as soon as the bow went off, arrow, complete pass through. The bull jumped and run, what, 15 yards? Maybe. He went 15 yards. And at, at this time, Josh is trying to get another arrow one. Yeah, I can see the bull. I can see a corner of the bull, and I'm a firm believer. You stick them as many times. You shoot oh, them till yeah. they hit the dirt. Little I know, Devin's trying to shoot the bull again now also, and yeah. I walked right out in front of him. <laughs> when, yeah, because the bull was, the bull was standing there wide open. I had a clear shot at him, probably 35, 40 yards, and and I see Josh trying to sneak up, and I'm like, I'm trying to, like, do I shoot? Or I'm like, then Josh is coming up in front of me, and then the bull takes off. Didn't matter. He nope. went down there another 50 yards and stood, and I start going through all the bad things in my head, all the wounded bulls. So I sneak up to Devin. The bull's still, I never heard the bull walk off. I can't hear anything anyways. Devin hears the bull crash and fall down, which he doesn't want to tell me that he for 100% heard the bull falling down over the bank and crashing. But he's like, he's dead, and I'm in the dark place. It's not dead, it's run off, it's gone forever. I'll never find it. I'm looking at my phone, my watch, Devin's making fun of me, because what? Every three seconds he's looking at his phone. Seeing if it's been a couple hours, two hours yet or not. I always giggle about it when I watch clients. I love to watch their emotions after they shoot a bull and that time that it takes in between. I can take a nap and eat a sandwich when it's not me shooting, but whenever I was the shooter, holy cow, I couldn't, couldn't handle the anticipation. We ended up giving that bull two and a half hours. We could have given him 20 minutes, and we walked right over to him. Very cool experience. Um, we were lucky enough it wasn't terrible pack out. We killed the bull at like 11, 30, 12 o'clock, so we got to enjoy enjoy the whole day of oh, working yeah. him up in daylight. Um, two of the other guides come in and helped work work the meat out of the mountains, and uh, that's all she wrote. Oh, yeah, it was fun. What were you shooting, Josh? Well, I don't know. Whatever Matthew's competition bow is, and I put 65% uh, lead off on it. I shoot a back tension release, which I just started shooting a Carter because I like to be able to call hands-free, shoot a rangefinder with your release still clicked on your bow. So I did that is the only new thing besides the bow that I've been what shooting. Are, what about your poundage arrow setup? Everyone thinks you have to shoot. Okay, so this one's going to blow people's minds. Um, I shoot with backpack. I shoot a 28 and a half inch draw length. I'm six foot tall. According to everybody, when you shoot with the backpack on, your draw length's a little shorter. I only pull 58 pounds. I'm shooting a 583 grain arrow. What kind of broadheads did you use? Kudu 125s with a 90 grain nib. And I shot through a bear at 45, and I shot through that elk at 17 yards, which isn't very far, but the arrow went 30 yards and buried in the ground halfway. I think I'm getting good pastors is because we went through the work at paper tuning, been so anal and obsessed with that bow since last winter when I got it. I knew I wanted to kill bull with a bow, so I like nerded out constantly, weighing broadheads, shooting different things, swapping from three fletchings to four fletchings to try to stabilize stuff. That was the 18th elk with the archery equipment that I've seen die, so. I'd never killed a bull with a bow. It was pretty, it was pretty neat being my first one that I got to do myself and one of my best friends being with me to do it. That was yeah. real special. Uh, Devin, he, elk hunting, archery elk hunting comes easy to this guy. <laughs> he, every time he goes, we, uh, yeah. bulls are called in or killed. It's Yeah, we always got some kind of action going on. Bears, 
we had you on full draw. We uh, walk, We were walking down this canyon and uh, we was trying to get Devin his elk and fill a couple of his tags. We walked right up on a carcass. We started smelling it at first and we knew we were really close. No birds or anything were on it and all of a sudden out walks this beautiful chocolate bear. Yeah, he had us locked down. He's staring. We sat there and watched him for felt like 10 minutes. Stood there and we just looked at each other and he was behind two trees. When he did step out, he just strolled right on through yeah. and I couldn't get a clean shot. And then we found the carcass, discovered it, yeah. it was all cached up, uh, and then went a little bit farther and found another bear at 200 yards, cake shot with a rifle. Walker had our rifle. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take yeah. it for a joy walk. So Devin, tell us your thoughts and theories how you're gonna successfully take down one of these forosauruses this week. I don't know, I'm just gonna pound it out. Ground and pound. Trust Ground the process. Pound, trust the process. What's your advice for us, bud, coming back? Anything you'd change from last year? Anything we need to change? No, I mean, we were pretty much perfect last year. <laughs> Couldn't have executed anything. I, I, I know we got in a little bit of a mental slug, but uh, you did good keeping us keeping us going. We was yeah. getting wore down. We hiked to the top of Mount Everest, and I get up there, and it's like 5.3 miles. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, well, I wasn't going to tell you it was five miles. You'd never want to do it. <laughs> no. About as epic as a Montana elk hunt as you could possibly have. And we haven't told that story on here yet. We've told it a few thousand times. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And I'm everybody on the is, East Coast. Everybody's heard the story that hangs around me very much. I mean, anytime you can kill a 340 bull, I mean, that's, that's where it's at. I got a, a spot I love to hunt, and it's a rugged, rugged canyon. But it holds a lot of elk, and especially when they get pressure, they get in there. So we go in and we lay eyes on elk. Within like the first 10 minutes. Yeah, two bulls. Which well, blew my mind because we've both been to Colorado doing the DIY thing and you spend seven days and see 500 people and if you see an elk, you're lucky. Yeah. You know, we walk a half mile to the first glassing point within the first 10 minutes, two shooter bulls are standing there, you know, 3,000 yards from us. Yep. We got eyes on something yeah. that way. And I'm starting to wonder if you had him tied up like that. I think this is too good to be true. We lay eyes on those bulls. We, it doesn't pan out. They're kind of, we don't, we work into position. And we yo-yo we this same scenario for four days, back and forth with, with a couple bulls in this canyon. We end up naming the one Cinco de Mayo, wicked looking five point. Yeah. And then we see this other big six keeps floating around in there. I know there's multiple sixes in this canyon, but and there's a giant one and then a nice, a real good one. We're hunting long range. We're using that as a tool to where we're not bumping elk out of that country, kind of watching them from afar, letting them get into a position where we, they're workable for us. And it just didn't happen. Roll around day of the shooting. We sit down on the glassing spot. Actually, we were going after Cinco de Mayo. That's we right. were we were committed. We That's were putting, right. we were putting our packs on our back, That's and we right. were gonna we we're gonna make the hike around because yeah. you said it was, I think seven miles. But if we started, we'd get there before dark, you know, to give us that opportunity. So yep, I was gonna kill it. Yeah, we started to take off, and um, I looked down over the hill, like I don't know, it was like two thousand yards. Thought that I seen an elk, wasn't sure. Heavy timber. All three of us was there glassing it, and finally it took a step, came out. We've seen it was a good one. Josh's blood pressure went up. Yeah, he was like, we're going after this one. We're we, not walking yeah, around there. We got to go now. That now. was the exact verbiage. <laughs> yeah. We got to go now. This bull is so killable. <laughs> I knew that if we got to there, he couldn't work up or down the canyon from us not being able to get a shot at him. It was like, but we had to, 
we were kind of looking at him from an angle and we needed to get direct across canyon that's your best bet to look through the timber you called it yeah. you were on the money yeah. so we get down in there blow downs out the yin yang typical scenario trying to shoot on steep ground can't never it's chinese fire drill trying to get a gun propped up couldn't find the bull for 15 minutes yeah we separated yeah, yeah separated uh-huh. out changed angles picked the bull back up he come out into an opening for us and then it was do or die after we argued and josh yelled at us because <laughs> yeah. jimmy said shoot i was like no you shoot yeah he's shooting Cause, i was like Cause I we, yeah, we done decided coming out i was like you're shooting and he's like no you're shooting said someone's got to shoot this goddamn bull <laughs> <laughs> we've only been hunting him for four days it's, it's time is upon us he'll be cussing you it's like it's a lot farther walk up out of here with no one shooting and us watching it walk off yeah so the easy part's done you shot the bull yeah this what is at ten thirty in the morning yeah yeah and, we, and it still wasn't done because me and jimmy sat over there with an ulcer you know it, it went into the tamaracks and josh says you know I'm going over to look for it. You yeah. guys sit here and watch, you know. Cover, because they yeah. could see. And yeah. once you get over there, you're not going to be able to see. So, so he says, if I find it, I'll build a fire. So me and Jimmy sat for like two hours waiting on him to get down off this, pull back up this other side. And then when that smoke come up over them treetops, now I don't know what Jimmy felt, but I'm sure it was way more than what I felt because he was – ready to throw up for the whole two hours Josh was gone. So Bill, then we spent the next two hours trying to find the smoke signal. Yeah. Which was <laughs> which was tragic because we get to the bottom of this canyon and we have no clue where we're at. Where's the smoke? <laughs> He's tracking me. He goes, he goes, I knew you would have went up right through here. So they're like tracking me. And then I'm sitting by the fire. I'm stoking it up, trying to get as much firewood built up. I hear that sound that our whole group of hunters since growing up, that's how we communicate in the woods. And oh, oh, oh. I was like, all right, I know what that is. I give a hoot back and uh, we hoot back and forth a couple more times. And all of a sudden we're all joined back up and the handshaking and picture taking commences. And that's when... We talk about this as it's such like a joint effort to Western big game hunt. It's hard to imagine it if you've only did Eastern hunting and it's a more personal thing. It's you and your rifle and you're out here, you're done. If you're one person back there, it would, you would have wanted to shoot yourself and just lay there beside that elk and it'd be over. But we built us a fire, started working that bull up, called in the cavalry. Did do a lot of celebrating i mean oh, it, yeah. lots of celebrating we yeah. was we damn near run out of firewood yeah and it was besides some blowdowns <laughs> yeah we cooked cooked up some elk steak it wasn't flavored enough so we took a i had yeah i had some uh honey mustard pretzels and uh <laughs> buffalo pretzels and we smashed them in a ziploc bag with in between two rocks and rolled the tenderloin in it and Josh cooked them on a stick at yeah, 9 a, o'clock at night, and we're laying with a carcass nine miles from the truck in grizzly country, eating tenderloin on a stick. And to quote Josh, it still sticks in my head as he chuckles, you know, me and Jimmy's, the adrenaline's done wore off, so, you know, we're hurting, cold, there's no end in sight, and he gives us the, you boys are getting the full Montana tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> Then about that time, a blizzard comes rolling in. Yeah, yeah. Sun, rain, yeah. three inches of snow. We did everything with this bull. We uh, took our time and really, really did due diligence to the animal, cleaning the carcass of, of meat. I mean, 
we took everything but the bugle off this sucker. One of the most amazing days of hunting I've probably have ever had. Top three for sure. Yep. Emotional roller coaster. One of the nar- I've only had one pack out worse than that, and it was, the only thing that made it worse was the amount of miles. This one was. Uh, I, I think I looked. We put uh, from the time we left the truck. I mean, the 24 hours it took us to get back to the truck because we left the truck at 6 a.m. and got back at 5:30 the next morning. Um, I think it was like 11 miles I had on my phone total. Yeah, yeah let's go into that. This was before we had packers living with us on demand every guide in the whole lodge that night decided to go out nine o'clock at night so the cavalry comes in and they took pictures as they were coming in across canyon they could see our fire glowing and it was a full moon and the snow was on the ground now they get over to us and uh we divvy up meat divvy up jimmy puts that <laughs> rack on his back and he's loving it at this point you got that big six point i mean it looks sweet pictures you're happy we get to the bottom in the creek. And the love wore off. The love was yeah. gone. Yeah. It took us 45 minutes to gain 200 feet of elevation out of the creek bottom. That's no exaggeration. It's, it's one of the hardest things I've ever did. I mean, I did a couple cross-country races and 42-mile mountain race, and it was like pushing that limit of mental exhaustion. Jimmy said, I remember him telling me, he goes, I never thought I would say that I wish I shot a smaller bull. <laughs> and there's no way to get it around and through stuff. I mean, it. Yeah, that was the worst thing. With the snow on, I was afraid of slipping and running a. Tying one in of tines through my neck or something. Yeah, so we don't strap it down on a pack. You kind of keep it mobile. That way you can. Because it won't Bro. fit sideways through trees. Yeah. And then you're trying to go over blowdown. So we just kind of set them over your pack and you hang on to them with your hands. And then, like you say, that makes. A bunch of swords hanging off, literally sword tines. I'll tell you something else that helped too, you know, those other guys being there, you know, Levi was there, your cousin, Yeah. you know, and he kept, you know, pumping us up. Yeah, he's a motivational speaker by yeah, far. Yeah, yeah. He loves yeah, he's to suck, a, He's a bull, man, for as big as he is. Like, we talked about this yesterday. Like, he didn't once complain. Never. You know, if you don't stop, he's not stopping. Yeah, no. Death before honor. Yep. Hundred percent. Yeah. Alex, the thoroughbred, he leaves us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we're trying to pull up out of this creek bottom, like you said, and we're not making any ground. No. Like at all. And then finally, Josh is like, "We can't do this. We we got to get halfway out, get above this grizzly, and we're gonna dump the packs." So we decide on a bench that we're leaving the meat on, and Alex, he left us. He, I don't know, that kid's built different. He can go. We hear his pistol pop off. Boom. It barely hear it. We shoot back to him, signaling that we're coming and that he's at the spot. We all finally, we get up there, drop meat. And it isn't like we book up out of there after this meat's dropped. No. Dude, we're crawling. Crawling back to the pickup. Yeah, so we roll in and what, like As a little bit after, yeah, 6 o'clock the next morning and the guys in the other room's coming down putting their socks on to go hunting and we walk in. Where you been? <laughs> Covered in blood. Yeah. I mean, look. You like have it. no idea. So we get back, we rest up, um, do a little hunting the next day. If you're listening and you want to see this, it's on YouTube. Everything we say is on there, so it's, uh, it's pretty epic. Yeah, the gun going off, the smoke rolling out the ports of the barrel. Yep. The following day, we go back into that same country in hopes to kill old Cinco de Mayo. My pap, yep. my grandfather goes in with us. 
um, he goes back to the glassing spot and we build him a big fire. And now we have two, we got two tasks to do that day. We're gonna try to kill bull or deer and we gotta get the meat out of the woods. Um, and we, we just, I don't know, we were trying to kill elk, but it was, I don't know, <laughs> it, you know what I mean? It was, yeah. we were just having a good time. Mother that. nature didn't cooperate either. Dude, it was, she snow got us. skulls kept coming in. Fog and snow. Yeah, and, yeah so we the, did a lot of storytelling. We uh, start packing the meat up over the bank, and old possums got, what does he call them, Donner boots. He said they weren't even Danners, they were <laughs> <laughs> junk. He's hitting the dirt every 30 yards. Uh, a deer, a nice buck, comes running right into us, chasing the does. We're packing the meat. I was like, please don't shoot that deer. <laughs> it was going to run right back down into the canyon where we just were packing meat back up out of. Um, that pretty much, we got up out of there and got the meat back, kind of piddle farted around till dark, and that was about it. You boys headed her back to West Virginia, and uh, what, what did you, at the, I know you guys are telling me at one hotel, the guy told you to take it inside. Oh, yeah, so we, we were going to. We thought we were going to drive all the way through, you know, 37 hours, and that didn't happen. Somewhere in South Dakota, after we about got mugged, yeah. word of advice, don't stop at, uh, in the Badlands at 2 o'clock in the morning to get fuel when no one's around. Who is trying to mug for you? For you? Yeah. I don't even know if we told you this. So we pulled Hold in. up. Let me, bef- let me set this. Mikey is like 6'7". <laughs> <six>, <laughs> 260? 6'4. 6'80. 280. Okay, I was close. <laughs> and Jimmy's six foot. What, 220? Yeah, 230. Yeah. Okay, so, so the guys that were going to mug you, yeah, go so, on. Uh, one guy. One guy. Yeah, so we, 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 uh, we pull in to get gas. You know, I just walk around to the back of the truck and I'm like holding on to the tailgate, just stretching my legs. Staring at that elk rack. Yeah. <laughs> and I look to my left, and here comes this guy walking out of the shadows in a puffy coat with his hand in his pocket, walking towards me. Perfect. Yeah. And I'm just staring at him, you know. And Jimmy has no clue he's there. No, no, I'm pumping gas. He's pumping gas with the driver's door open. And I'm thinking, you know, my pistol's on the other side of the truck. Our rifles are in the back. Everything's buried. And he keeps walking closer and closer and closer. And there's nothing around, like no buildings, no homes, no nothing. He gets like 10 yards from me. He's like, hey, can I use your cell phone? I was like, no, no, you can't. <laughs> and, you know, he's fumbling around in his pocket, and he keeps walking closer. And as he walks around the gas pump, he sees Jimmy. Jimmy sees him, and he goes, oh, there's two of you. And, like, I look back at Jimmy, and I look back, he's gone into the shadows. I mean, he was wow. seriously fixing on Yeah, you guys never told me this. Mugging us. Or just steal the elk rack. He wanted that elk rack. So we... Found some hotel in the middle of nowhere. Pull in, truck beds full of coolers. So we go out, get her clothes. Jimmy's dragging his big set of elk horns down the hall. We take it in the room, shove it in the bathtub because we're worried. We're worried the thing is going to be like dripping blood out of it, you know, because we had the, everything wrapped up in plastic. It was frozen. But uh, yeah. So then you, you get it home. Yeah. A lot of people remember this bull from our Facebook. So I was going to do a Euro- European mount on it until my buddy could mount it. I start pressure washing it off, and I, I seen this like spot on it, and it's the side of its face. Sure enough, there's a broadhead broken off. An arrow was broken off in it. Whenever we shot it, Josh was like, "Dude, I can pick this bull out of a hundred bulls bugling. I, I could tell you what what bull this is and all that." Yeah. And then we get over there, and it's got this broadhead 
That's the, the reason why. Yeah. Right through it, everything's all. He had, so when he would bugle, it was this super, super nasally sound and bugle. And it was because that arrow was lodged in his nasal cavity. And it created him to have this real gurgly sound, and bugle, which was, it was awesome hearing him scream. But that was the reason why. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it was crazy. Wasn't I, it lodged like behind his eye? Yeah. Yeah. yeah how the yeah. animal could even survive something like that to eat and to function i know he can smell like a son of a gun because he done busted me on wind like twice in archery season yeah it was through his nasal cavity up behind his eye it was was the other side yeah the orbital socket was actually grown around uh the blade part of it and where it went in everything had already grown back over had no idea it was in there you would think that being stuck behind his eye socket that he would have had some pressure build up or been blind in that eye but he, I mean as far as I could tell when I caping him out there I mean usually the light shines differently light doesn't shine in him it's just he has a goofy look and you kept it as a European mount yeah I'm just upset he made me pack that goddamn hide out and then he <laughs> threw it in the fucking dumpster <laughs> <laughs> you could have sold that for like four or five hundred dollars I know, I know. I'm Just telling you, nothing. I don't know if you remember, but do you remember about halfway up the side of that hill? Squirting out? Yeah, and I bent over and asked if someone would tighten this fucking thing down on my backpack. <laughs> and you told Levi, he's way too big to be throwing a fit on the side of the hill. We got to get this thing tightened down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's a cool end to the story of that elk. And then you guys came back. Correct. Jimmy, I think back. you said you were never coming back <laughs> yeah. after the pack out. <laughs> I believe I remember you, hearing you say that. So now you're back. Yeah, yeah. Come back to visit. I don't know. It was like two weeks before it was time to put in for our tag. Uh, he shoots me a text one evening. He's like, hey, man, when do we got to apply for these tags? Well, I'd already like everything was set up with Morgan. You know, I'd done set everything up for me. And I text him back, I said, we, question mark. And he's like, yep. I was like, I didn't think you were going. He's like, well, I wasn't. But he's like, you was there for mine. I might as well be there for yours. So we uh, jumped in the truck, and here we are. Full Montana 2.0. Stay tuned. Hopefully we'll be back about Thursday. Wrap this thing up. (laughs) I hope. I hope. (laughs) So last year, you booked pretty early. You asked a bunch of questions about gear and everything, and you came out relatively prepared. You got a new gun built, right? I did build mine to come out here. It was basically just plain Jane, 300 Weatherby, Vanguard. Um, Didn't do a lot to it, really. The thing shoots excellent. Put a Vortex Viper scope on it, muzzle brake, trigger. Um, Your stock. Yeah. Carbon Uh, stock. Yeah. I mean, it's not a $5,000 gun by any means, but it does the job. Yeah, just a couple parts to make it a little more mountain ready. Yep. Picatinny yep. rails out front. Yep. Little stuff like that. That way you can get your attachments on it. Yeah. I think the biggest thing would probably be just shooting, you know, uh, more so than anything. Shoot long range. And when I say long range, you know, 400, 500, yep. 600. That's the biggest question know. we get. Yeah. What distance am I going to shoot? And I tell guys 300 yards, but... I look back through and most of our shots are at 300 yards. That's because not everybody shows up capable of shooting six, seven hundred yards. And we were talking about this before the podcast started, how it takes a crew of dudes to ethically shoot long range. I mean, there were three of us, eyes on target, 
spotting scope, every – I mean, there was – at no point in time, we did all the dialing. All you have to do is worry about trigger squeeze. Man, dry firing them guns before yeah. – before, if you have the time to dry yeah. fire that gun a couple times and practice that kill shot before you go hot, man, that makes a big difference. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me, if I had to do away with – or have one piece of equipment out of everything, gun-wise. Yep. Be a muzzle brake, man. Yep. Follow-up shot. That muzzle brake. I don't care what gun you got. If you can't shoot it comfortably, repeatedly, and stay where you're at, you know, on target. That's that was my biggest thing. So from last year to this year, did you guys do any more hiking or preparing yourself? Yeah, for sure. With working out and stuff. I walked, tried to walk swole. the hills as much as I could because He's naturally last swole. year, last year, you know, I feel like I could walk 30 miles whenever you get up there on the side of your side hilling and slipping and falling. And I mean, the one mile seems like 10. It does. You've taken enough steps to do 10 miles. Yeah. And you guys come from rugged country. I mean, you're used to climbing mountains. 5,000 footers back there. I mean, so it's not like. It's nothing like this, though. You know, leg strength. I know that from running. You yeah. know, uh, when you get tired, you slouch. You start working other parts of your body. Uh, I've, I've talked to a lot of people, you know, walking uphill. When I was running a lot, I had a friend that did triathlons, and he used to always tell me, you know, learn to walk with your ass. And I, I didn't know what he was talking about, you know, because it get to where my calves was just like on fire. Mm -hmm. Now when I walk, I walk with a different gait a lot of times. And if you engage your glutes, you know, you're working a different part of your leg muscles. And it's no different than that backpack having shoulder straps and waist straps. You can load your waist, you can load your shoulders, and you can alternate. Yeah. If you can engage your glutes and engage your calf muscles at different times, yeah. you'll go longer further. And then throw a set of trekking poles in that yep. scenario. Take the weight off your knees and your joints. Yeah. Um, Jimmy didn't have trekking poles last year. He's got them this I year. I seen him strapped. That's why I brought it up. I seen him strapped on his pack. Yep. yep. What about your butt pads? Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that something the, you added from last year? The man size. Yes. Yeah, so I ordered one on Amazon last year that I thought was like the elite. You know, it looked good in the picture. Hey, that's I, the ones I use. Yeah, I get, <laughs> I get this thing, and it's like 12 inches wide and 12 inches long. And my one ass cheek's 12 by 12. <laughs> it fit me fine. Yeah. yeah. So this year, I got the 24-inch wide, 12-foot long one and cut it in half. So me and Jimmy's sharing it. So. I could curl up like a dog on that yeah. butt pad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the way to go, especially with snow. Because those little ones, the snow comes down in those eggshells, yeah. and then your body heat melts them in the sunlight, and then you sit down in it, and those big ones will be enough that you won't get snow down in them. Yeah. One thing that I really changed was my thermals, yeah, all my base layer stuff. I'd start out Cotton. in the mornings at 20 degrees with a t-shirt and a sweatshirt on, that was it. Yeah. One, day, yeah. one day it was just a t-shirt and my vest. Yeah. And still got to the top of the hill and had to dry my cotton shirt out. Cotton's not yeah. king. So your outer layers were you had you had awesome outer layer system. Yeah. You had a puffy, you had nice QU guide I think were guide pants. Yeah. Um everything was right there. But you were wearing a cotton shirt yeah. as your base layer and then it pretty much ruins the whole system. Yeah, it'd be soaked underneath. Yep. 
So that's something to change for the clients that are listening if you're coming out with cotton to make sure to get wool base layers. We should go over, like we, we talked about the cotton base layers and that, like early season hunting to late season, what's one piece of gear that's going in there that's not coming out? Uh, definitely the puffy and yeah. keep it in a very accessible spot. Yes. <laughs> you guys went through your packs, what, you've been here a day or so early, so you've been digging them through. I've went through my pack three times in the yeah. last two days. Yeah, I've did, I think, four. I've did it yeah. four times. You put everything in it and you pick it up and you're like, I can lose some more stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and you go back through it, you open it up, and you're like, I need everything. Yeah. And I can tell you, like, before I got the Stone Glacier clothes, you know, and back home, it's you pile everything you can pile on. Yeah. You go out and set and take off what you need to take off. And if you get cold and freeze out, you know, you walk 20 minutes back to the truck yeah. and go home. Yeah. You're not going to do that here. Yeah, the layering up, that's where it's at. Is anybody running big old mittens? I have uh, the glassing mittens that are down. I, had, I a, love yeah. those yeah. things. I saw Jimmy's, that's why I mentioned <laughs> yeah. yeah. Gators. Gators. This week is Gator Week. Probably could use hip waders. <laughs> <laughs> the wet brush. I was, I was looking at them yesterday. <laughs> you were like, yeah, you were looking at them. <laughs> he was looking at the fishing. Was, <laughs> yeah, what them fishermen were. I was going to buy me a whole suit. I got fit here for everything. So we looked at the weather and the forecast. We had some snow come in. We got snow above 4,000 feet right now. I was really happy to see snow whenever we started descending through the clouds on the plane. I saw that snow. I was pretty happy. We're going to get weather moving back in. It's going to be wet all week. Um, we were just talking. I did not want to go rifle hunting as a, until yesterday. <laughs> I was not feeling it. Burnt. I, no, I'm, I'm ready to hunt more, but the T-shirts and the low gators i love that i'm not wanting to run the puffy and uh <laughs> packing that gun with a 30 inch barrel and a tripod and a spot and starting fires and i'm ready for rifle season can't wait any last words yep you better run and hide suckers because we're coming all right that's us we'll tune in if you want to hear what the heck we did whether we did the walk of shame or we actually got something killed next week this is us, over and out.